Hello, everyone. Quick um, beer and a movie disclaimer that this episode was recorded towards the end of June. Uh, we thought David was going to be going on a trip, so we were stockpiling episodes while he was away. Uh, but as you can imagine, COVID kind of sidelined those travel plans. But just wanted to let you guys know that because that was... Uh, a little over two months ago. So if you hear us talk about anything um, that has happened or we're speculating about stuff that's already happened or maybe there's some current film news or anything like that that we don't discuss or mention, it's because this is about a two and a half month old episode. So um, I'm recording this before editing it and it's been a while so I don't remember exactly what we talked about, but I imagine that we, you know, discussed when are we going to go to the theater again? When is Tenet going to come out? Uh, and the reason we don't know the answers to those questions is because this is the past beer in a movie us's, not the current beer in a movie us's. So just keep that in mind. Uh, hope that clears up any confusion that may or may not arise as you listen to this episode. Um, but yeah, anyway, enjoy. Let us begin. Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we talk about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your hosts, Dave Gurney. With me is Joe Hilliard and Carlos Cooper. And we are so excited to have you with us uh, this week because we're we're doing a little we're doing a little dive back into the past. Um, th this one and and Joe, I bet probably can can point us exactly to what the genesis of this episode was. I it's escaping me right now, but but either way, it's getting us to to dig back into action film history and uh, and look at some. Well, what some would call classics from oh, I, uh, from the eighties. I hate that. I hate that you get there. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. Before so, we get there, I don't want it because I felt like that was going to go off on the tangent about the films. I want to get the beer in our glasses right now. This week we have a repeat visit to a brewery that we loved the first time we we sampled something from them. This and, is and, Bearded Iris. And shout oh, out to Justin for turning us on to this. That's uh, right. He, that's he, right. On his on his way back from, uh, I, th I believe he was doing a rotation in Scranton at right. a hospital there pre-COVID, driving back to Corpus, uh, stopped off in Nashville and picked us up a couple of things. And that home style from Bearded Iris was one. And Dang it was good. funny because whenever he dropped it off to me, it was like, oh, yeah, it's just like a, you know, just a normal mosaic IPA. And he's, he seemed kind of not incredibly Lose. jazzed about it. I mean, he liked it, but he wasn't like blown away by it. And then we had it and we're like, oh, this is amazing. Like, we love this beer. And so I, I am very excited to be going back to Bearded Iris because um, it's definitely something that we can't just like go to the store and pick up whenever we want. It's a more of a special occasion type situation. And so that, that one was a single IPA and I believe it's kind of their flagship. I think it's one that, that uh, they're, they're kind of known for. This one is a double 
that they do called Ever Clever. It is also double dry hopped. And it is 8.5% ABV. Uh, my first it. time having it. And and let's get it uh, cracked and into our glasses. And no, ready David, to... you, no, David, you catch up to Carlos and I. Oh, you guys <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah, no, we're poured out. Uh, well, I will catch up um, as we get ready to talk about a couple of the biggest action films of the 1980s. And before we do, I'll tell you, I haven't tasted it yet, but this smell, this aroma, this nose is everything I wanted to smell in a double IPA. So far, so good. And it's oh, yeah. beautiful in the glass. Okay. Also, I don't know if you got, I was looking for the canning date on this and, uh, you know, it's a, a little bit, older, oh, but yeah. the, the, yeah. the, it says right above it. That's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> so, and you're about to hear a lot of them. They made this beer for us by tying in beer and movies together on their canning right. date stamp. So, we, we get, thank we you, get Bearded get, Iris, maybe. for making beer specifically for us. Got to get one of the bearded, bearded Iris brewers on the podcast at some point, huh? You know. You know on. Also, throwback to if you make it to the end of the episodes, um, Joe Swanberg's agent has not emailed me back. Ah. <laughs> Damn. Yes. Well, we were we were in one of the at home recording them separately podcasts when Schwarzenegger came up or somehow Running Man came up, and that we talked all of, we should do Running Man. I think Carlos at the time you hadn't seen it yet. I had not. And no. I can't tell you the episode number, but I, I put it on our list of things that we said we'd like to do in the future. And I think I was I was the biggest advocate for this one because it seemed like most certain such, for sure. Yeah, such a fun time. Running Man came out in 1987. It's Schwarzenegger at one of the crests of his career, and then it was one of you two that pointed out that Predator, Predator was um, the amazing predator i'll put my cards on the table was filmed or i'm sorry released the exact same year that's an episode period yeah mm -hmm. and so it is an episode and it's the episode that we are currently in what uh, <laughs> and that is the moment is what is happening right and so <laughs> and so we're starting we're starting with predator am i am i wrong I hope so. Okay, so so, so Predator is the f uh, I think it's the first R-rated movie I ever saw. Wow, I love like, that. Period. Wow. Not in not in theaters, but just the first R-rated movie I ever saw. Mine um, was mine was Stand by Me, David. Well, but was that in theaters, Joe, or was that just in general? Just in general. The first R-rated film I ever saw was Stand by Me. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I could not tell you clearly what the first r-rated film i i think i've mentioned this before that my my dad especially was not very good about policing content and and well actually quite the opposite was quite fond of introducing me to content right <laughs> that i probably shouldn't have seen until a later age i saw a lot, of horror films, a lot of horror films and a lot of action films in the 80s that were probably before i should have i do i i I think I've made the statement that my best recollection is that seeing RoboCop in the theater was maybe the first time I saw an R-rated film, which was, was that 88? So th that, that would have been the year after this. Anyway, but, but uh, yeah, so it's hard for me to tell you before that. I know I saw The Fly way too early. 
Uh, yeah, I lied. I lied. Stand By Me is my first R-rated theater experience. I had seen Friday the 13th and all kinds of other movies before that. Okay. Uh, all right. Anyway, yeah, we the, digress. The only reason that I remember this was my first R-rated movie is because I had a, uh, a doctor's appointment. Um, and I said, I don't know, I just was nervous, I guess, and just fucking talking for no reason. I was like eight or nine or something, and I told my pediatrician uh-huh. that I had that my mom had let me watch Predator, and my mom was kind of mad at me afterwards <laughs> <laughs> for wow. divulging that. Wow, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was something weird like that. Um, I was probably older than eight or nine. That's kind of young. My parents were really strict about like what I did and didn't see, but... Uh, as 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 opposed to David, I had a heavy content police uh, presence. Yeah, I did too. In in, in my household, but uh, I don't I don't remember what it was about this movie as a young man that drew me to it in such a way. I, I think was just she so. The reality of these elite mercenary squads <laughs> going into South American, uh, you know, jungle environments and and because at the time that's what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> right, right. She I kept saying trying, to I kept saying to my mom, I want to be a part of an elite mercenary squad that goes into cool. Central and South America to conduct somewhat morally questionable covert missions. <laughs> I want to be very buff. Uh, yeah. I want to be covered in like oil for some reason and shimmering at all times. Sweat. Uh, yeah. Just glistening all the time. Just constantly glistening. And she was like, look, constantly glistening is not what it's all cracked up to be. You need to watch this film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you might know, you might some... be glist you might be glistening with the glow stick gl- guts that is the yeah. predator's blood. There was something about Carlos, this movie. The heat emanating from your body <laughs> might make you a target. Okay, it could. Let's <laughs> face <laughs> <laughs> something about this movie as a young man or as a like a preteen or whatever. I I was interesting to me. I don't know what it was. Maybe. Uh, just the mythos of Arnold Schwarzenegger in general was a, th- I don't know why, but for some reason, my, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old self was just fixated on this movie and I was just constantly badgering my parents. Let me see it. And because, because Carlos in mid to late eighties, what was being presented as the birth of the action film in the eighties form was a testosterone fueled fairy tale military related off and big guns the biggest guns that you can the find biggest gu- the, the biggest Jesse explosions Ventura that you can find that minigun what the fuck was that <laughs> that is I'm the not- most impractical thing i've ever seen i'm talking about rambo i'm talking about commando yeah, which was yeah, a yeah. schwarzenegger film which was right. just a couple of years before that hot shots John part do yeah exactly <laughs> no i think you might be a couple years early but um, that's what was being presented in the marketplace yeah. as the future of the action film. Yeah. And what what Predator got right I, is a plot synopsis even required for Predator. But what Predator <laughs> got right was everything that I just mentioned: military, mm. big muscles. Yeah. Uh, Carl Weathers. Carl, Carl Weathers, Weathers was the, jacked. Deciding, yeah. Carl Weathers in the jungle deciding he doesn't need a shirt. You know, yeah. just a just a vest to show off these six packs. That's how you do it. That's how you roll in the jungle. He, if you're okay, just Carl Weathers breathes kind of strange in this film. 
Say, say, say it again, Carlos. Carl Weathers breathes kind of strange in this film. It's like with his stomach <laughs> and the way his stomach expands oh, and yeah. contracts is really just, I'm doing, you can't see me, but I'm doing it right now. It's just the most odd, unnatural motion that he's doing the whole time. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're tapping into the homoeroticism this early because of course. <laughs> of course. watching these films, I, I'm reminded how much I love the male form and how much... I, and I'm I'm being half tongue in cheek, and then I'm being half serious. Like cl- clearly, at least fifty percent of the appeal of these films is getting to watch muscled dudes, li- like oiled bodies, oh, 100%. breathing in and out. Like I mean, it is just it is eye candy for any viewer who can appreciate. The male body, the sculpted bodybuilder's physique of the 1980s is just, and I mean, it's hardcore steroid era. This is just, yeah. I mean, even, even the, I think the character's name is Billy. He's the one that kind of is a little, uh, early in kind of subconsciously understanding that there's like this threat that they can't see. Um, Oh, the tracker. Yeah. The tracker. Exactly. And I mean, even he is like insanely ripped and the the scene where he ultimately meets his demise is one of the most nonsensical pieces of writing i've ever seen in my life he like walks out over this bridge takes a giant bowie knife and cuts himself across from like shoulder down to hip Uh for what reason other to than a, to show that he's super jacked and super well, tough. he's not. He's not giving himself a super. Uh, a, a, he's giving himself a superficial wound to attract the beast. That's the only thing he right. knows to do as the tracker is. It maybe just, he reacts to the smell of blood in the air, and certainly he will uh, meet me on this log if I drop all of my weapons in a. I want to. I was about to say man to man. That's not exactly right. That's not man exactly right. to alien. You know, but uh, yeah, I, I just. Let me, let me just say the only thing that I've kind of taken notes about. Okay. The opening five minutes of this film is some amazing economic storytelling. A quick okay. shot of a, a quick shot of a spaceship. Okay. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. A quick shot of Arnold. I'm, I'm sorry, but Arnold getting to the the place where they lay out the mission, uh, meeting Smoking Carl Weathers. Cigar. The yeah the the you establishment. The, yeah, the establishment of that relationship. Dylan. You son of a bitch. <laughs> and then a freeze frame, of, an unnecessary five second oh, freeze frame on the two most muscular men ever oh, known man, those in biceps, the jungle. The, like the, the, the air. Uh, I mean, the, the arm wrestling they do in midair is just, I yeah. mean, that, that <laughs> scene, I mean, it's a meme. It's a, I mean, you, you go yeah. online, you will yeah, see that image. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The, the predators first, heat-seeking point-of-view shot occur, I, I wrote it down, at 18.30. And every minute up until then is just so economic. We're just in this thing. We think we're seeing Commando again. We just saw Commando a few years ago. But there will be a twist as telegraphed from the first shot of the film, there's a freaking spaceship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're sucked, in, in my opinion, you're sucked into some great film storytelling. I mean, it. it I, I don't know if I would say great storytelling, but it is an action epic that has everything that you want out of an action movie in it. I think that it is yeah. a very, very well executed action movie. And, you know, I don't, you know, I really don't, 
know how much there really is to talk about this movie because it's like pure popcorn <laughs> fodder like just like I'm just gonna sit there and fucking check out and watch all like mentally check out and just watch all this stuff happen I think really the I don't know the most like meat there is on the bones is the legendary Billy Duke uh yeah, he's great. Who fucking kills it in this movie. I mean, he's probably the only character with real depth and, like, with real kind of layers of who he is and the emotion. And, like, you know, he he really shows up in a film that does not deserve maybe the performance that he gave in it. And I think, Oh, God. And, I, I mean, it's a, it's a great movie, but he's, he's, I don't like he's doing going. more. Now, I, I, and, and this is, I, I was ha- happy to uh, report at least the third film with Bill Duke that we've had on the show, yes. uh, where he, he, he had a great role in Mandy. Great in Mandy. Um, and, and he even showed up in High Flying Bird, which, which we had looked at uh, oh, yeah, some, some time ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I, I probably defended it then, didn't I? <laughs> I think you did. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 like an iPhone I, bullshit. But, Hey, we're hey, we're allowed to evolve. We're allowed to grow. Yeah. That's right. You know, um, I, I don't know. I I think I'm kind of between where you two are on this film. It sounds like where I I do think that this this is a notable film from many respects, and I enjoyed watching it again. Let me that you know, just point blank, it was the first time I had watched it probably in 20 years, and rewatching it, seeing it again, it was enjoyable okay i mean i i enjoyed watching the the cinematography in the jungle is you know just the just the visual of this lush kind of green environment but the dangers lurking behind all of these things you know all those shots where like they're clearing away the leaves as they walk through and you're kind of exposing like there's something just about the kind of jungle action film that visually i'm I'm there for. I just I I like what that is. I like that visual experience. I think bringing into that this science fiction element of this character that seems to be adept at using through technology this uh, jungle environment as a place to hide and a in a, in a way to kind of conceal uh, him or herself. And that gender is not really ascribed to it, but you know this thing that that's out there. This 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 sort of uh, threat threat to them. But then on top of that, like the campiness of an 80s action film in terms of, like I was saying earlier, you know, the the men on display in it is just so funny. I mean, it's just, and, 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 in a, and I don't mean like funny, like I'm laughing it off, but funny, like, man, this was part of our visual language for mm-hmm. so long. We've kind of gotten away from it. You know, like I, I, I compare this as I was watching it and then kind of thinking about, you know, some of the action films we've we've talked about on the podcast and, and probably most, uh, Recently, the uh, um, Fast and Furious, right? Hobbs and Shaw, and the, you know, like the, so glad that you brought of, that up because that this reminds I mean, me so much of Fast and Furious, right? And and there there's something there. There's definitely a connection. I think we've gotten, dare I say, although I'm, I'm, we're probably going to lose listeners right now, a little more sophisticated with it, um, in in yeah. in terms of how we deploy it and 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 what we do to kind of mix it up a little bit. But there is something very funny about looking back at the 80s and seeing this like we're almost like we're developing this visual language around the like this exaggerated 
version of the male physique. Yeah. That is, it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I well, don't know. Ar- it's just a I funny mean, moment. I mean, Arnold is kind of like the first rock to a certain extent. Right. Like he's sure. like super buff and like every movie he's in, he's like the good guy and he's doing the right thing. And like, you know, yeah. uh, in the second half, well, we'll, we'll get a little more into like how let's ignore, let's ignore, let's ignore Terminator in that. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. but, uh, after that and then, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it is a great movie for what it, it is. is. It mean, is. A- it really just hits all the right notes for what it's trying to do. And it's nothing more. It's nothing less. And it's just, it's just that. And like, it's fun. It's just a really fun movie. And the only mm-hmm. reason I said Billy Duke is doing more than what the film deserves is just because he, he he's almost in another movie one that has depth to it, <laughs> you know, like he just can't yeah. help, but like really deliver in his performance. And it's not that I think that he's out of place or it doesn't fit or whatever. It's just that, you know, if everyone was on his level, then we'd be talking about a different film. But I think that that gives it, I th- I, I don't know. I think that helps it to kind of be a little more dynamic than if it was just a straight ahead like action movie front to back without any of that emotionality that he brings to it. Um, yeah. But I mean, no, he's, he's, he is, I, I get exactly what you're saying. Like he is almost in terms of the, the dramatic impact when he's on screen, it feels like it hits a different kind of pitch yeah. when, when we get to those shots. And it, so I'm totally with you. I mean, he brings a kind of gravity to his characterization that I think none of the other actors do. I mean, he, he he's he's definitely the one guy in the bunch who who is an actual actor, yeah. not just an action <laughs> For sure. star. He's not telling um, stupid pussy jokes or he's not right. just stupid buff, you know, right. like he's, but, he's, there's something going on there. With yes. I, but absolutely. I want to call Joe out. Oh, I'm ready. We, <laughs> we talked about Defy Bloods a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And you had this huge problem with, uh, Paul's son going to take a shit and finding uh, accidentally co- all the gold. And horrible coincidence as device. You didn't take any issue <laughs> with Dylan or what is Arnold's character? It's not Dylan. Dude, Dutch. Uh, Dutch. Dutch. You didn't Dutch, find correct. any problem with Dutch so coming out of beach. coming right. out of that like lake or pond or whatever the fuck you want to call it, getting covered in mud and just ha- he just so happens to figure out that if he covers himself with mud, the predator can't see him. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like that didn't bother you. No. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. The only way that he could defeat the predator at that moment, the predator had him dead for rights is through a device that he did not design. Oh my god. It's and so it was, coincidental. It, it was that in the predator in the predator's <laughs> heat vision, such bad writing. if you cover yourself up with mud, that thin microscopic layer of mud is all you need to keep your heat level from being sensed. By an advanced alien being, which I don't Come on, think Carlos. is real. That's, I don't that's think that in actually, 1980, that's simple math. I mean, in 1987, is, that just made sense. And bullshit. Well, no, no, this is this is an indictment of the public school system because Carlos <laughs> is is somebody who has a diploma and doesn't understand the basic mechanics of 
the predator and his heat vision I and like how that David, <laughs> you were one of my professors this is an indictment on you of nothing else you okay were... hold on hold on let, let me let, let, let me calm this thing down episode 52 we watched hobbs and shaw carlos's favorite film from 2019 there's no Not my favorite but one of them there is absolutely no coincidence that on that episode we drank the beer with the highest abv that we've ever had 18 percent because if you was that believe, big ass money stout? No, that was no, no, that was Dogfish's one twenty. Oh, okay. But if you believe that we didn't have that ABV because there were complete, you know, pandering shots of Statham and Rock, the Rock's body in that film, you're crazy. This is the era that those descendants hail from. I recall a scene on the island where The Rock is in a hula skirt. I mean, showing off every <laughs> single asset. He's doing a haka, but yeah, sure. Yeah. He, now, what we learned in the 30-whatever years since the Predator, Predator came out, more than that, check my math, was that in 2019, the style is um, a little more discreet. A little more discreet. Back then, it was on the poster. Um, no, I think that there's some great in this film. You forgive you forgive the special effects because that's just what they had at the time. But the reveal they of the pre- terrible. They weren't. They weren't. I mean, the, the, the only yeah, yeah. the only critique I would have of the special effects is that when the predator is camouflaged, uh, and it is obviously a technological limitation, but he moves super slow. Right. In a way that makes absolutely no sense. But other than that, and I can forgive that, you know, but like other than that, I thought the special effects were fine. But otherwise, the reveal of the creature is fantastic. The step reveal of the creature. And it's it's because of practical effects. It's because it's a dude in like a suit or whatever, and it's not CGI. If if they had CGI'd that guy, it would not, I mean, it would be terrible. You You know who it was who was in the suit, right? I don't know. It was, it was Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> it was, the effects are amazing, and it, it set them up for a fantastic um, reunion in Twins. <laughs> yeah. What you when, learn here. When but, when Jesse Ventura's uh, like whole front side gets completely like fucking like hollowed out, you know, when he gets shot, like that's... Right. From when I was a kid, that's the scene I remember the most because it was so graphic and so like... I, Intense. The image, that stuck, the image that stuck me, and it comes early on, is the uh, sort of uh, skin removed human oh, corpses. Yeah. yeah. Like th- that, I remember, I think it was probably the first time that I had seen images of like a human body with the muscles still clinging. And the, I don't know, it, it, there's something very disturbing about that still. When, when, but, also, when but also titillating for a 15 year old boy. Well, sure. sure. Or, Whatever yeah. age you were, that's what makes this movie, I think, so good. And even, I mean, outside of a couple of effects things that we've said, you, you got to give them credit for because that's the best they had at the time. Mm-hmm. This movie holds up real well. It has '80s style all over it. Not so, mu- not so much '80s style as the film that we'll talk about in the second half. This is more just the God, style of the action film in the 80s where it was testosterone fueled star you know yeah. and then and then special effects the biggest guns you can get the biggest muscles you can get 
but the Heat Vision POV, that's a fantastic device. The Scorpion and the... It's also so unrealistic. Like, the Predator can't see shit, honestly. Like, how is he just not running into trees at all times? Well, that's why he needs all the technology. That's why he needs the, you know what I mean? Like It's crazy. He he couldn't win if it was a fair fight. It's crazy how indecipherable his vision is <laughs> like when we especially, get especially when he take when he takes the helmet off at the end and a lot of the anyway it's fine it's fine but the piecemeal reveal of that uh the alien and then the the wavy line reveal and then into it can bleed and then into i just thought it was a fantastic like device of we can stalk and hunt this creature the way that it stalks us. It might, it might knock us down to just one guy. And yes, he realizes that if he covers himself in mud, he's not okay. Okay. I'll give, I'll give you that. But, um, when they're having fun and they're having fantasy, I can forgive that more than I can the dramatic elements yeah. of requirement that were in uh, The Five Bloods. I still intend on watching The Five Bloods a second time and coming back and letting you know that y'all were right, I was wrong. It hadn't happened <laughs> and then before, And then before I quit talking until we talk about the beer, when he throws the knife the size of a machete into the, one of the, um, the human uh, foes during a firefight, and says, "Stick around." Yes, yes. that's oh, just man. called that's just called foreshadowing. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> yeah that 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 scene that first like move, really move big firefight. They're just like, I mean, committing genocide. Like, oh sure, I mean, the it's biggest just, they're killing so many find. people. It's insane. Big yeah. guns, big explosions. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Th- crazy. This is, uh, yeah, the, 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 this film is, uh, it's. It is all what you've been describing. It is all of what you've been saying, and it it has it commits sins. There are some terrible things about this film. It is indicative of those '80s action films with the sort of nameless, uh, generic, you know, uh, revolutionaries that need to be uh, killed or or sure. you know brought yeah. under or whatever you know like i mean that slight it's propaganda. it's terrifying it's terrifying that we were that comfortable with that idea that it could yeah. just become a stock plot point to just like oh of course they need to yeah they need to go do the you know that that they don't that like america is, is terrible yeah no yeah. fast hey, fast forward to true lies david and now we're moving don't, into the don't. middle east we're moving into the middle eastern countries well, where it's almost like the, the the movie company called the pentagon and said who are we fighting? <laughs> yeah, said, Joe, why would go- you yeah. ruin a perfectly good episode by bringing up James Cameron? Why would you I do that? <laughs> I, I don't mind going toe-to-toe with you in a future True Lies yeah. is an awesome yeah, movie takedown. Wait, but Terminator was already invoked. We, we, Cameron true, was on yeah, the episode true. already. Yeah, Termi- uh, Terminator silences Carlos in no, this. No, uh, I'll give him a pass for the first one, but... I mean, oh come on, Carlos! We, Terminator we, Two. We need to have a reckoning with, Carl, okay. with Cameron. Right. I fucking hate James Cameron. This is probably not. Push pause. I know, but... <laughs> I'm gonna push pause on this conversation. All right, all right. We'll get back yeah, to we'll, it. We'll do a James table. Cameron extravaganza. Uh, it's, it's it's on the list officially. Giant sized Cameron. But this is in it, and I think one of the things about Predator that I mean, you t- it is one of those first major action sure sci-fi as well and even horror perhaps at a certain level um franchises that came out of the 80s i mean it 
has become an iconic. I mean, this was the idea of this alien character that comes to Earth to hunt people and has this advanced technology that can cloak it and all that. Like, it was an inspired and uh, and what an idea that has stuck, an idea that has worked well now for because what the last one was twenty eighteen. They made the Predator. Was that was that the most the Robert recent? Rodriguez one. Was that yeah. W- w- I can't. We should have done. Oh, you no, know, it was it was it, it was Robert Robert Rodriguez. It had Olivia Munn. It had a uh, Trevante Rhodes, I believe, from Moonlight. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It was the Predator. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying no? It was directed by Shane Black. That's so. I thought we, it was directed by Robert about, Rodriguez. No, 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 no. So Shane Black, who shows up in this. You, you you recognize the, he was uh, the uh, the radio man. Uh, yeah. what, what was the um, the nerdiest guy? Hawkins. Hawkins. Yes, the right. nerd with the glasses. Right. Put glasses on him. He's a nerd. That he was exactly. also a screenwriter. He he was. Robert Rodriguez did Predators. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, okay. So no, 2018. Shane Black, the guy who was in this one. Is yes. Nerd. Keegan Michael um, Key. He okay. Yes, he directed one. I have not seen that one, but I haven't but seen it. it but it's still going. Yeah, and it's and it's worth noting. I mean, Shane Black that same year, one of his first screenplays. Well, two of them were were produced, but one became a huge franchise unto itself. Lethal Weapon. That mm. was the year that he. Um, yeah, I, I, my, Lethal yeah, Weapon. I, my biggest um, thing with him is uh, the nice guys. That movie's fucking amazing. Shane Black. Oh, yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. With Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Yeah, God, that's right. a fucking good movie. In 2016, yeah. absolutely. No, but he also made Monster Squad that year as a screenwriter, and oh, that is a favorite from my childhood. So, yeah. the, I mean... The, the Wolfman's the, the, got nards, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, but but anyway, he, he went on to do some great stuff. He also ha- has... But it, it's funny to see him show up there, and he's big, like being an actor in the first one and then making the most recent addition as a writer director it's kind of a funny uh trajectory to to, yeah. to look at but but certainly you know when we think about this yeah when we think about this as like 80s action and how it kind of set a certain kind of uh tone for what came after you know we're talking about fast and furious we're talking about these other things um it itself has become a part of the landscape. It's become part of, and we're not going to stop seeing these films. I think this character is one that people find fascinating enough. I I find fascinating enough. I have not, like I said, I have not seen the most recent one. I don't even think I saw Alien vs. Predator, to be honest with you. But uh, but it's a character that I think, okay, I, I, I'm curious. That's a funny concept, or not funny, but it's, it's, it's a unique concept. Alien advanced technology but likes to hunt us mm-hmm. go do it <laughs> yeah for sure i it is, i mean there's a reason that it has lasted this long yeah know? but i don't th- i don't think there's a reason it's lasted this long i have not seen one predator property better than the movie that we're reviewing today not one Whereas Ter- Terminator Two was an, an advance, I, I believe, okay. an advance on Terminator, which made them believe they could make a ton of great sequels. A lot of them have made money, but not great movies. Well, hmm. I think I think that I think the Predator property on its own might not be 
as might not have the longevity that it has, but I think that the, you know, combining it with Alien, like Alien versus Predator was a fucking thing. Like I went and saw that in the theater and I was excited about it. And I had not it? seen Alien at the time. You know, I just knew about it from like a pop culture perspective, you know, and like that, oh, this huge crossover is happening. Like it's that, you know, that kind of thing. I think, I think alien itself ha- it has more legs than predator does, you know, like I think that mm-hmm. franchise, like, you know, Prometheus and covenant, those are all great. And like, there's enough mythos involved in that predator is a little thinner, but I mean, there's clearly enough, you know, that, yeah. I mean, Predators, the Robert Rodriguez film, and The Predator, the Shane Black film, I don't know that either of them were really super well-received, but it's a big enough... It had that This first movie had a big enough impact that on the pop culture, you know, zeitgeist or whatever, that people are still willing to go see these things. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I mean... I, these have never been critical favorites. <laughs> That's true. These these films d- don't really impress most critics. We're a little different. I, I mean, I think especially when we're talking on this podcast, we're kind of talking about what gets us uh, brings entertainment. You know what I mean? We are thinking a lot about entertainment about, and what. Yeah, which often, yeah, I like movies that make me think, and and we talk about those too. Ooh, this one sure. doesn't make me think. This no. this one, and and there's some problems with it not making me think. But we've already pointed out some of the problems with like the stereotypes of of whoever the enemies are and these things. I mean, we haven't even touched on the fact that the predator creature itself with the dreadlocks, with the dreadlocks and whatnot yeah. has this kind of. I mean. I think the, there's enough balance in the film with the presence of uh, other very much more interesting African-American characters like, uh, um, you know, uh, Bill Duke's character and Carl Weather, you know, that that there's some balance there. But, yeah, that that's a problematic kind of uh, to figure put there. But but if you think about action films as action films and what they're doing and, and how they're sort of it you know, th- that epitome of escapist entertainment, um, you know, predator, it's, it's hard to, to find much fault with predator. I, I, I think, uh, it, it does what it sets out to do in a more inventive way than most action films, mo- most of the films of that era. And so it deserves its place in popular culture at this point. For fantastic, sure. fantastic movie. I'm so glad we had an opportunity to talk about it. Now, when are we going to delve into the Schwarzenegger 80s ethos? <laughs> we're, we're, we're there. We're there. Oh, yeah. we're, gonna keep, we're in the thick of it already. Yeah. So, we'll, just go, we'll just go straight to Demolition Man into the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Demolition Man? That's Stallone, isn't it? That's what I said. Stallone. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've I, never seen it. I get lost in these. They're basically well, they're, the same person, honestly. We're clearly not as clever as we all as we often are. But was this beer ever clever? Just where we want it to be in terms of cleverness. That was a top class segue, David. Dude, that was that that segue was tight. It was, yeah. Someone I'll give this man a Webby Award. I've got it half left. I'm going to pour the rest into my glass while we talk about it. I talked about the color at the beginning of the uh, epi- of the episode. I just took a, I took another sip. Mm-hmm. Man, Man we have a, been we have pour, been have we have I know it is we have been having <laughs> some 
this. We have been having some top flight basic IPAs, and the Ever Clever is goes right to the top of that list for me. This is this is a fantastic, delicious beer, and I wish I had more than one. <laughs> it, I, yeah, I mean. To me, I, I've heard their reputation. I mean, I, I've, I've known to uh, respect them from, from what I've heard from drinkers in the past. But now that we've had a couple of these bearded Irish beers, I mean, their reputation is totally deserved. It is well-executed, well-made beer in every instance. And th- this double is just phenomenal. I mean, it, it is bigger it's more robust than than you know it has to be it's than a single ipa but it does it so well and and so smoothly i'm really enjoying drinking this one yeah me too it's pretty good it's not my favorite i oh yeah i think i prefer the home style uh over this one maybe if that's I was just... gonna rank them i would definitely put home style above this yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But what are we saying that uh, bearded iris is just making amazing beer that we need more of? I mean, I think yeah. that's true. I mean, this is by no stretch of the imagination a bad beer. Um, it is good. It is good. Um, I definitely, I definitely enjoy it. Um, but I guess maybe it's a little heavier than what I want in this exact moment. Maybe is yeah, what it is because yeah. it is a little heavier, you know, as a double yeah. IPA should be, um, not a sessionable beer, <laughs> but no. no, 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 but, but it's, it's good. I mean, I think it is, you know, like we've said straight ahead, double IPA, well balanced. I mean, it's got some of that sweetness in there, but it's not too malty. Um, you know, you're getting some of the, more floral characteristics from the the dry hopping aspect of it. I mean, it's definitely not overly bitter, which you know is one thing I hate about IPAs and yeah. uh, pale ales and in the more traditional American sense of those styles. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not getting any of that kind of stuff. I mean, I do I do enjoy it. if if it were a little more bitter, I'd probably be out. You know, I'd probably just yeah. be like, okay, this isn't my thing. But because it strikes that balance, I think that it, you know, it's a solid, it's a solid beer. And I, you know, I think that this brewery doesn't get as much hype as maybe it should be. I mean, there are a lot of really hyped breweries across the country that we as South Texans know about, um, right. That, you know, people seek out and people have like mules for and proxies and all that kind of stuff where they're like, go stand in line and get me this beer and ship it to me or whatever. But yeah. I definitely don't hear anything about bearded Iris in, well, the, in yeah, that conversation. And, then, and I think that they're, I think they're a really fucking good brewery. Well, I think part of that too is they, at least as far as I know, are not as much about the limited release stuff. You know, okay. they, they do tend to have, I think they have more, you know, these beer, like the, the home style, I think you can get any time of year, right? I mean, that okay. is just a beer that they have on, the, you know, it's their flagship, from what I understand. It's like one but of their then, Right, and, and I think Ever Clever is probably as well, and I don't know that they get as much into the limited release, which tends to be what attracts that kind of that fervent hype, yeah. you know, mule and, you know, that whole culture that goes along yeah. with it. 
They may. I, I, I may just not be aware of, of that, them having that, but I think that might be part of why we're Their not Their business here model isn't built on exclusivity. Well, and right. And I mean, that that is certainly a way to think about it. I love that trend. I mean, obviously, I, I love those beers that are very particular recipes and they're tweaking them all the time. And they're, I mean, Big Rojo. We, yeah, has been making waves. <laughs> That's right. Shouts out to the lamenting. hometown heroes at Isla Street. Lamenting that we've not been able to. Yeah, we got to get one of those guys to to come on the I'm podcast. I'm sure we can get them both. I would think, yeah. Um, hopefully they like movies. But it, in any case, they love pop culture and they yeah. love making references to it. So that, we, should that get would be them. we should do uh, the Selena movie Oh, with them because they have the Conchula floor. I almost feel like I would need a substitute on that episode. A substitute? What does that mean? I can't. How can I speak with any level of uh, authority on the Selena film? Yeah, you've seen it. Just talk about how you felt well, when you watched it. What are you talking about, David? How can you speak with any authority about the Predator film? Yeah, you've never because fought an alien monster like there, before. There's no, there's no cultural value to Predator that goes <laughs> beyond fair. a bunch of white guys getting roided up and wanting to go in the theater and see people shoot stuff. Yeah. Um, but there's, but there is with Selena. Selena is a very particular. I mean, especially where we live. Yeah. Selena is sacrosanct. I mean, there, there's something sure. I would be scared to have a conversation about. I don't think I don't think I'm qualified. No, no, no. It's, it's so simple. We'd if say we love it, even if we don't. And then we just talk about like some different filmmaking elements until we're done. No, I'm kidding. Around. You know what? You, you make a good point as the only podcast about film based in Corpus Christi, Texas. The birth, the birthplace, I believe, and hometown of Selena. We should do a Selena episode. Yeah, we should. The only right. question is, what is the companion film? Maybe that's and what are the companion 100. beers? Maybe that's episode. Ooh, 100. maybe that's episode one hundred. Ooh, I kind of like that idea. I, I thought we had a hundred plan. What are we? What are we shifting? Well, we're in the middle hey, of folks. Listen, we're getting off track. Getting we need to take a track. break. Yeah, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about another. 1987 Arnold Schwarzenegger action film that is burned into the cultural memory <laughs> after this break. In other words, what we're trying to say is stick around. This is a second. Let's just be honest. It's, yeah, this yeah. is a second episode recording. Who knows when we're airing this, when we're putting it out. But yes, we, this is one that we're recording as a double. We we have not done that in a while. So yeah, we're probably going to be a little bit loopy here. But w bear with us. Slightly I, I unhinged. Bet, I bet we're going to have some really critical insights uh, to... to offer our listeners on The Running Man. I'll go ahead and spoil it, but before we get there, we need to get beer in our glasses, and we have... I'm excited for this one. This is one that Joe actually provided us all with a few weeks 
back and that we've kind of been sitting on, and I'm excited because I have not tasted it. This is from a repeat brewery. This is 903 Brewers out of Sherman, Sherman, Texas. Yeah. Um, it is a big boy because it is 10.8% <laughs> alcohol. It's how much? 10.8. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so if, if we're talking about big boys like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse the Body Ventura and, uh, and you know, we need something big and meaty in our glasses. And this one right here is their Coconut Macaroon, not Macaron, Macaroon Stout. And I am excited. And I know my co-host Carlos is a, as he has labeled himself, a... Slut for coconut. I'm and, a huge slut for coconut. Yeah, so we're we're gonna find out just how much of a slut, or if or if this tickles his G spot. <laughs> one. <laughs> oh man! Uh, uh, all right, second episode, baby. <laughs> okay, so. I'm trying okay. to think of something in the movie that has a G in it. No, so that we can... let me let me as somebody who has seen this movie for the first time in the last six hours. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I is watched fresh. it this morning. You're um, gonna do the plot synopsis? I yeah, sure I can do that too. Uh, <laughs> so this is a movie that is based on a Stephen King short story, correct? Right? It's a short story, not a novel. Yeah, uh, but it the was, film. Joe, I know for our hundredth episode is going to have some trivia on how many Stephen King movies have we referenced in uh, various sure, I episodes. Fucking... I, I have no idea what that number. Is, I, but, yeah. I, I, I will just say briefly that this film does not resemble the short story in any way whatsoever. Okay, so really? it's based off a of Stephen King short right? story that was right. written under a pseudonym. Uh, was it the Richard Bachman? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's that, uh, that, that, that's that's his pseudonym for fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's the under the Richard Bachman pseudonym, and it is a movie that takes place in 2019. Uh, the world or America, as it were, exists in this kind of totalitarian police state uh, type society, which you know, TBH, not far off from where we are currently. Uh, I know. Oh my God. This movie freaked me out watching it yes. again. <laughs> Relevant it is to our current moment. I'm yeah, just very yeah. strange. Um, and you know, uh, you know, similar to Escape from L.A., uh, Los Angeles has been devastated by some natural disaster or another, or whatever. And um, you know, people are being um, distracted by these gladiatorial kind of games. Uh, in this particular case, it is a uh, reality TV reality TV show called The Running Man, in which a convict is set into this like war zone. He is chased; he or she is chased by stalkers, quote unquote, which are just armed mercenaries that are set out to kill them. And if they can survive, they will allegedly be pardoned and given their freedom. And yada, right, yada, yada, sent yada, to a tropical island. Is yes, that Hawaii? To, well, yeah, no. to live their best lives, whatever the fuck. Uh, hey, hey, oh, hold on. But before we move forward, I want to say how fun it is to watch a 1987 dystopian fantasy about the the year that we're living in now. Where there's no flying cars, yeah. there's no there's no robots. Yeah, there just happens That's to be. True. A That's true. Do you want to know something yeah. funny? Uh, I so I I started watching this movie this morning as I was cooking breakfast, and 
Um, <laughs> and I'm sorry. The idea of watching, like having this be my cooking <laughs> background, I just, yeah. I know you do that. That's your thing. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you yeah. have. This. Yeah. He I, was, he, I, he was, I, he was cracking eggs and saying, <laughs> I must, I must break you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly no what yoke. That's exactly what was happening. But so I watched the whole thing, but Kylie missed the first, like maybe 20 or 30 minutes. And oh. at one point, I think it was, um, it was either right before or right after Arnold, a.k.a. Richards, had been... Ben Richards, was that his name? Had been uh, uh, shot into the like playing area or whatever, and she was like, so yeah. is he a robot? <laughs> 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 uh, and that made me laugh so hard, because it was like... Yeah, that's totally possible in this film. <laughs> that, yeah, is not, I, I was, that is not an outrageous question in the context of The Running Man. Uh, I was going to ask you if she joined the movie pre or post Unitard. Uh, it was slightly pre, but but she wasn't fully locked in until post. Um, yeah. But I mean, and yeah, and, like there happen? there is too much about this like outrageous movie that like. Is prescient right now, and that you know, well, lines up a little too soon. Well, no, you're, you're, but you're right. I mean, like, for me, you know, I expected. I love this film. I get. Let, this let me just say, movie like, is when amazing. I, when well, I, hold on, when hold I on, guys, 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 guys. <laughs> let, let me just, let, let me just quickly finish my point, and then I'll set my timer to be quiet for five minutes. Okay. There's no robots. No robots. There's no flying cars. It's just a totalitarian government that uses partisan media to distract citizens from their miserable reality. Yeah, it, it's so just a world. It. It's yeah, it's just a world where fake news stories are used to manipulate public opinion. Okay, go ahead. I'll be quiet. <laughs> but that's exactly it. When I was a kid and I saw this, I loved this movie. I loved the whole concept. I thought it was so. I don't know, just incredibly. Um, not fantastical in the, but in this very attractive way uh, that I, I love this movie. And then seeing it again now, I had no idea. I had no idea how prescient it was. I had no idea how much it was pointing the pathway to the reality that we are living in at this moment. Now it's exaggerating certain things, sure, but that's that's what you know we do when when we're telling stories to emphasize certain elements. But my God, how this was not, um, or I shouldn't say was not, has not been celebrated as the prognosticator for our future that it really is. I'm I'm flabbergasted. I mean, I th I feel like there needs to be a campaign to have Running Man recognized as having been the most accurate science fiction film ever made in human history. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's crazy, especially because like, um, uh, you know, obviously the you know with like the senseless killing of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and like all that stuff. And then once the protest started happening and the massive wave of protesting that was happening across the country, I mean, everywhere, mm -hmm. even fucking Vider, Texas had a Black Lives Matter protest. I mean, it has it is completely seeped into every part, every nook and cranny of our nation. And 
when all that stuff was happening, I was the whole time I was thinking, I was like, this is crazy. Like, we've never seen anything like this before. Like, you know, these issues aren't new, but it's being reacted to in like a, such a specific way. And I mean, there is so much of that that you can kind of put on the fact that we were all quarantined. Like, and I, you know, people were kind of locked up with no distractions. And one of the main things that I thought about was how like all sports were canceled. And there was, there has always been this kind of gladiatorial aspect of like, you know, nationally televised sports that have been ways for us to distract ourselves from, you know, the actual reality of the world that we live in and like what is happening around us. And the actual conflict we're experiencing. Hey, no, this is good, Carlos. No, and we, this is. You're, you're you're getting as deep, and I thought this second <laughs> half of this episode was going to be a shit show. No, but you are actually bringing some heat here. This well, is this I was is heavy. I, I was thinking about this, and and it's like you know, it is easy to kind of focus more on um, the Spurs making the playoffs for like the twenty sixth year in a row or whatever, right? You know, like and right. and it's easy to kind of focus our attention on hoping that you know LeBron's lack of allegiance to any particular franchise or place and his just desire to move wherever he feels is most likely to win him a championship and best Michael Jordan is you know it's easy for us to put our energy into hoping that you know we see him fail or if you're a person that likes him for whatever godforsaken reason that he succeeds or whatever but you know there are these things and Obviously, I'm making basketball references because like that's my sport. But like, if you're a football fan for whatever weird reason, like you can do that or baseball, whatever. And and, and you know, you know, you know, you, I the just Astros like cheated. They shouldn't believe. You know, and so it's easy for us to like put so much energy into those things because they're easy, they're digestible. There's a clear sense of allegiance to a certain team that is near where we grew up or where we live or from our hometown or whatever. And once all of that was taken away from us and there was no distraction left to keep us from acknowledging that these terrible things were happening around us, people immediately were pissed and took to the streets and were like, fuck this, fuck you. Like, we're not gonna let you do these kinds of things. And this movie is so relevant to our current period of time because it is so explicitly stated in the film that what these people are doing is distracting people. Like they say it in no uncertain terms that we are doing this so that people don't think harder about like what's going on around them and the world in which they live in and they can just be distracted, you know, I'll be distracted by being a fireball fan or a buzzsaw fan or whatever, you know, and like just yeah. being able to wrap themselves into these games, which is exactly what, you know, the Romans did back in the day and all that kind of stuff. And it's not as explicit in our society as it is in this film or as it was in ancient Rome. Um, but it's still the exact same principle. And, I mean, this movie is absolutely bonkers insane. It's so fucking stupid. Like, the the costumes are ridiculous. But, yeah. you know, when you strip away all of that 80s frill, like the, like the dance sequences, what the fuck was going oh, on? There are these really all, extended hey, uh, dance sequences that make almost no sense. But at the core all of this movie, it is such a 
like relevant film, strangely. Yeah. You know, and oh, okay. choreographed by all... Paula Abdul. Yes, yes, exactly. I know. Uh, I, want, I wanted to Joe. make that point. Yeah. And that's awesome. And well choreographed, by the way. Like those scenes are I mean, they make no sense in terms of like narrative and like story structure, well, well, but they're they good do, scenes. They but no, but the, the, it's it's the showman it's it's the uh entertainment value. Uh, Richard Dawson, I mean, that was the I remember seeing this in and I know Carlos, this is probably lost on you because Joe and I are so old. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first time we brought up the oldness. But uh Let's talk about Family Feud, David. But <laughs> I mean Yes, no, I mean Family Feud was, was a he, huge... was he the Family Feud guy? Yeah, the the original, the OG. Steve Harvey's yeah. my guy. No, I know, right? But, the, but prior to Steve Harvey Steve was Ray friend. Combs and prior <laughs> to Ray Thank Combs you. was Richard yeah. Dawson. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, but he and he was like, "Oh, no, Carlos, you need to go and our and our listeners, you need to go look up there are compilation videos of Dawson being so creepy, especially with female guests. I can't yeah. imagine. He, yeah. he was super, like, handsy. And, it like, was weird. And, like, you, like, it is borderline sexual assault that this guy was doing on TV on the regular. He was such a scut. Like, he, he telegraphs that I, in this movie. No, when I think <laughs> scuzzy. He parodies himself host, in this movie. He is. That's him. And, yeah. and yeah, right. To have him actually playing the scumbag game show host who's running the show in this in this case. Very um, meta. It it's it's intense. I mean, like there there is a watching this again. I'm like reminded how weird that is. But, the, you know, also the affiliation with wrestling. And I know Jesse Ventura was in Predator. It's funny. You know, this year was yeah. like Schwarzenegger and, and Ventura and these films. Like Governor you know, Ventura? Yeah. Was an actor <laughs> before? We elect <laughs> actors into political office? <laughs> if, if you want to call Jesse Ventura an actor, go ahead. I Isn't don't know. It, if... Oh, my God. When you when you when it like when the light bulb goes off and you're like Schwarzenegger, Ventura, 80s action. Well, yeah, no, Reagan at the time, right? Oh like that they they went on to actually be politicians, and now we're obviously with Trump. I mean, like it it's so like I said, prescient. It is so weird to see this, and it's like this is where our, not just the entertainment conversation, and I guess that's where these films get a little bit unsettling. It's the political. Like we let this. To me, it's amazing like to watch these films and enjoy them for what they are, but to think that some people come away from them thinking, that's what the fuck we should do. We should just, we should bring that fucking big gun and shoot everybody in the face and we could kill them and they'd be dead. Like that is the mentality that people transport out of some of these films. To me, I look at it and I'm like, this is weird and absurd and we should never go in these directions. Yeah. And yet, to a certain part of our population, this came across as the best foreign policy is kill every fucking buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's bizarre. <laughs> well, okay, okay. The but... 80s were a cesspool, honestly. Okay. Like, the hold 80s on, were a fucking on. rough time. It's so enjoyable. Hold oh, on. God, we loved them. <laughs> hold on. You, first of all, you only know what you know. In 1987, I would have gone to the theater two times. I would have seen Schwarzenegger and Predator. I would have seen Schwarzenegger and Running Man. You went more than twice. Come on. No, uh, of course. But I'm just saying that a star in a film, an action film, 
two very different action films here that we're talking about. Yeah. Sure. The first, the first one, Predator, was treated as I, I want to say Jaws. It's a B movie that we're gonna give the A A movie tr- treatment to, but Running Man is a B movie that we're gonna give B movie to, and the '80s that we talked about in Predator, the masculine form. And the big explosions and guns. Okay, you get that here too. But this is 80s. The dance, like 80s vision of 2019. We're going to have 80s dancers. We're going to have 80s fashion. We're going to have 80s whatever. That's the worst parts of the film. But the best parts of the film, to me, are the kills, the puns. And the over the topness of it, and Running Man makes hits a home run in all three of those. The kills. Where's Buzzsaw? He had to split because I just cut him in half with his own saw. You know, and I, I referenced that the, I referenced earlier uh, when he uh, when in Predator he throws the machete sized throwing knife. You know, stick around. Schwarzenegger giving stupid lines about the kills that he gives is clearly a part of 80s lore in film, in action film. And here they are incredible. He does it again in... Give us... What what, what are some of the favorites? Here's your Sub-Zero. Now Plane Zero. It's just not... It's just there nonsense. There's some crazy one-liners in Running it's Man. It's just nonsense, but we as an audience... He had audience, to split. Yeah. Where's Buzzsaw? He had to split. The one thing I hated, though, was when he looked at Richard Dawson's character and said, I'll be back. And oh, I hated it, that. I wonder if James Cameron got mad. Because I, did Who I give you permission? What James Cameron did thought? I give you permission to jump it was films cringy. here? It was, yeah, it was cringy bad. to see him in another movie being like, hey, remember that one movie that I made that was really popular? Uh, okay, okay. so let me ask you, if this scene is cringy, the grandmother that attends every single Running Man um, I loved her. <laughs> broadcast. Uh, uh, I yeah. fucking loved her. All right, honey, it's up to I'm, you. Tell us who's Richard. Yeah, who's going to make the next kill? And it's all, you're going to pick a stalker. Richard. This, yeah. I'm going to pick Ben Richards. He's a bad motherfucker. I can pick whoever I want. Yeah, yeah she was fucking just, awesome. It's beautiful 80s, uh, what's the word? Uh, hubris. The score uh, over was the good top too, by the way. Since we're yeah. talking about 80s, the score was good. The 80s that was synthy yeah. hey, goodness. You know who that was? Harold right? Faltmeyer, yeah. yeah. Beverly Hills Cop. Faltmeyer, right. But who also worked with Giorgio Moroder. I mean, like, this, he, he's. He did Top he's Gun, but we'll forgive him I mean, for that. Like, Right, Fletch, Fletch. Okay, Fletch. so yeah, I, I mean, this is... And, yeah. and clearly in 1987, Marita Conchita Alonso was a very sexy woman. Clearly. Yeah. I, Probably still to this day. I mean, I who mean, knows? Most I likely. haven't seen any reason. I, the whole time, I feel like I recognize her from something, but I went through her entire filmography, and there was nothing, nothing that really struck out as super her. familiar. But she looked so familiar, and I I loved her in this movie. I thought she was great, and like as a, as opposed to uh, Eurovision, which we talked about probably a few weeks back at this point, uh, where like the romance is kind of ridiculous and, and unnecessary. 
when Arnold and her kiss at the end, loved it. Here for it. Really? Here for it. Huh. Everything about this movie I, was so I cheesy. It. It, it, there was nothing. I don't know. It, it didn't. I like that they didn't really bother to make it that much of a thing. I mean, I don't, honestly. I, yeah, I think it wasn't a love story. story. No, no, it wasn't. I, but I, I just feel like everything about this movie is so cheesy and formulaic and like whatever that like I just needed that at the end of it to just kind of put the cherry on top of the, you know, cliche action movie Sunday that we were enjoying throughout the you, hour. We talked. We we've talked all about John Carpenter and we talked about They Live and we've talked about cheesy films that advance themselves to a degree. It's crazy that they... when you're talking about cheesy films, you went to John Carpenter. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm wildly I was thinking, offensive. I was, I know, I know, Carlos. <laughs> let, let, let's not, let, let's not uh, get into a fight now, but I'm just saying that they live is a good example of trying to make a point larger than maybe the point can be made now, but 20 years from now, we can understand the point. I think that's running man. The running man was a modest hit. The predator predator was a much larger hit for Arnold. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw this film in the theater and I remember as a, um, 1987, 15 year old boy, I was seeing something special. Now, 48-year-old man, I think I still am, except that it's going to go into the category of party background film, because otherwise, I don't think you're, I don't, I don't, I don't think otherwise, I I don't know, I'm worried about this party background film thing, I don't, oh, this is a growing genre, David, this is a growing (laughs) movie genre. It's good. It, it, it's 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 good, but it's not the best film of 1987 by a long mile. But there's something there that we need to keep in our mind, and I think it's well, that. I like it. Yeah, I think it's a better film than Predator. No, that's interesting. No, that's not the truth. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Running it's Man better is than better Predator. than Pre- Running Man is better than Predator. Is your thesis today? <laughs> that, that, that is, well, it it is one of them. Yes, it is. It is one of the premises that I am coming into this episode with. Is it, Running Man is a better? Oh film no, than I'll fight I think I you. Agree. I'll, I'll fight you on this all day long. I the think Predator I agree with is David. a better film. The Running Man's a good movie. I don't know. I think I'm on David's page. You're you're saying it's a movie, not a film. I'm saying Running Man is one that we can enjoy in a kitsch value. Predator is a solid film that needs to go into the canon of all films. See, I think it's the other way around. Y'all are crazy. uh, Well, now y'all are drunk. (laughs) That's not untrue. I won't argue with you. However... I, I still believe that w- my opinion is correct, or, or, or the more <laughs> defensible that way. It's the more defensible opinion of the ones that's being expressed right now. Where I think that Running Man, given it the the strangely accurate sort of social commentary that's going on in that film, makes it a better film than Predator, which actually, with age, 
has probably shown more cracks in terms of, especially its politics, but it, just some of the the weirdness of just the basic, like the assumptions that we're making going into it. So, to me, yeah, you know, watching Running Man, I had no n- no qualifiers. There was no asterisk asterisk as I was watching it. To me, watching Running Man, I felt like holy shit, this is some of the best commentary on our current moment that I could have imagined right here unfolding before me, and I loved it the whole time. How, how did I not realize how connected it was? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I think Running Man is better, honestly. I had a, f- a really fucking fun time watching Running Man, more so than I expected. I mean, the costumes are crazy. Everything about it is fucking is, nuts. I, I'm curious, what is... Did Kylie come back around? Like, did once she got into it, did she like it, or was this one? Because this was one that actually Aaron had never seen, and watched it with me for the first time. I think that she did. Like, I mean, we didn't talk a lot about it. Um, I, I mean, I was pretty down to the wire as far as like finishing it and then being able to record yeah, this episode. Yeah, like it. Yeah. So we didn't have a ton of time to talk about it, but. I think she liked it more than Predator because she was definitely super in and out for Predator. Uh, super what? Like in and out, like on her phone, oh, and like kind of not super engaged okay. with it or whatever. Same, I mean, See, same, I think that same I with your like, vision. I feel like Predator. Predator would benefit from seeing it in a theater, if yes, only for the I fact. Agree. Like I said, I really the cinematography of it, like the, the just the mise en scène, the jungle. There's something beautiful about watching those scenes unfold in the greenery but man like running man just in terms of storytelling or you know story events is so intense there's just like thing after thing after thing after thing it's 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 crazy yeah i i mean i think that i think you're right about that like seeing predator in theater would be amazing um i also think that i mean you know, sometimes the thing that has the most mainstream appeal really is just like lowest common denominator type stuff. Like I think that I think Predator is good and I think it appeals to a lot of different like a very large audience. But I don't think it's quite as interesting as Running Man is just like I don't think that Eurovision. I mean, it has it's number one on Netflix. You know, we <laughs> talked about it a couple of weeks back. Yeah, it's not as good as Walk Hard. You know, Walk Hard didn't have that same mainstream <laughs> appeal, but if you're the type of discerning viewer that is going to like, you know, be able to acknowledge these tropes and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, that's such a that, that's such a bad analogy because you got. I think they're very. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. This is, let, let me make my point. Two Schwarzenegger films, same year of release. One, a jungle film with cinema cinematography elements that we can appreciate. Number two, there's nothing cinematographically appreciative in this film. This is a, this is a junk film. No. It just happens to have. No, hold on. Wow. It just no, had. Hold Joe, on. You're, you're going in a. You're going in a more extreme direction than I think you even want to go. No, hold <laughs> on. Hold on. Hold on. It just ha- It has a prescient ability to relate to the times that we happen to live in than predator does because of course i haven't seen a predator in my backyard trying to rip out me or anyone in my house's skull and spine you haven't but right have you not saying anything oh thank god (laughs) but otherwise i'm just saying that like 
for the sci-fi canon of all time, Predator exists. Running Man is a cult film. It has to be. It has to be. Otherwise, it has to be. I mean, I agree it is a cult film. I mean, obviously, Running Man is... But I think that... I don't know. I guess it just speaks more to like the type of film viewer that I am that I would prefer a cult film. Mm. Like those things appeal to me more than the wider, more mainstream predators of, you know, the landscape of this genre or whatever. I I yeah. I would I I'm much more interested in you know like Battle Royale than I am I don't know something so you know the death race or i don't know whatever fucking stupid action movie is equatable Ho- hobbs and shaw well, which death race the original death race no you're you're talking the about Jason the Stanley remake movie. okay <laughs> right yeah no 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 the, the, but, but, the slice but the love original i, I would Ooh. prefer the cultier more no i like campy. i like i like i like the camp and that's what i think a lot of these 80s action films, like I said, even with Predator, certainly with uh, with Running Man, there is a campiness to it that is just, it's wonderful. I mean, they, these there's a reason these films are rewatchable, and part of it is, even if you don't agree with any of the uh, uh, the sort of worldview that's being expressed through these films, there's something so like cartoonish and and strange almost about how it gets exaggerated in these films that it's it's wonderful. And you know, I like the Running Man version of it where it actually seems to be offering this kind of weird comment. Well, like a weird in the sense that it is so accurate commentary on what we experience these days. But even Predator, which I think isn't trying to offer as much as a social commentary, as much as it sort of stumbles into it without thinking about it. Um, Did disagree. Disagree, yeah. The, okay. there, there's something there that, that is just uh, re- really enjoyable. This is, this is an, an important period of filmmaking, whether you like it or not. I mean, this isn't like, you know, I know there are film snobs who would turn their nose up at both of these films very quickly, but they're missing the fact that these films were incredibly impactful. These were huge films for defining what action movies meant in the 1980s. I agree with that. I am shocked. I think that we should go round robin and decide right now which is the better film, Predator. We already or... said that. Already yeah, said that. it's Running Man. Look, you're the only one that thinks Predator. On. No, you're, let's no, do it again. For, for me, for, hold on. For me, it's Predator, Carlos. Running Man. David? Me, running Man. You are wrong. I am right. Let's talk about beer. Let's talk about this coconut macaroon, which. Holy Lord, this is a beautiful beer. It's very good. 903 is good at stouts. 903. I love you, 903. And they coconut. are very good at stouts. Mm. Fully agree. I mean, to me, um, and I can't. What I can't remember which ones we've had. We we had at least one of theirs on the podcast. I we had the Cloud Nine, which wasn't very good. It was a hazy IPA. Right, right. But their stouts. You're right. Their stouts are exemplary, yeah, and we've had. I mean, off mic, we've had some good ones. This is right in there with them. I mean, mm. to me, 
I'm getting the coconut. I'm I'm getting the. Um, I mean, even some of the. I don't know what else goes into a macaroon to make it more of a cookie than just shaved coconut. Vanilla. Okay. Yeah. There. Thank you. Yeah. There is egg. Egg. <laughs> okay. I'm not getting the egg as much, but the, but the the idea just that you raw know egg. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to Rocky. When are we going to do some sliced alone? We got to do that. All right, Expendables. Uh, <laughs> if we don't, if we don't do Stallone, I'm going to be angry. Uh, oh, we mind. will. Okay, we you'll be fine. That, that'll, you'll that'll be, be fine. episode episode two hundred. We'll. <laughs> but but I, seriously, this is a wonderful IPA. Oh, IPA. This is a wonderful stout. <laughs> this is a. An imperial stout, really. I mean, they're not calling yeah, it ten percent. I mean, it's an imperial stout that I would tell anybody if you can get your hands on, you are going to enjoy this. This is one that people should trade for, and yet I think yeah. it's probably one that we in the Texas market that can get it, love it, enjoy it, but then we don't we don't maybe uh, gush over it as much as we should because I think this is one that people actually would. If hey, if you can get a can of this, do it. Yeah. And if we can get it in Corpus Christi, I know you can might be able to get it in your area, if you, especially if you live in Texas. But this um, coconut macaroon, they did a lot of fantastic work to make this taste exactly like the can would pre- would re- present to you that the, this beer right. should taste like. Fantastic. 100%. Macaroon, macaroons, yeah, it would be. My only complaint is that I feel like the body's a little thinner than maybe at one out of a 10 plus percent stout. But yeah, other yeah. than that, I mean, it's all that easier to throw back. It's yeah. very much easier to throw back, which is yeah. dangerous. Uh, yeah, but you're a, you're a guy that would wear a shirt in the jungle. So <laughs> flavor wise, it is chef's kiss spot on. We all know it's best. Oh, only. chef's kiss. Shit. Okay. Well, let, let's move on from there. Uh, <laughs> But all right. Okay, so I think what an I, episode. I think that what is happening here is that we desperately need our listeners to decide Predator or Running Man. Yeah. We're two thirds on the podcast for Running Man, one third yeah. staunchly for Predator. I, I wanna I wanna see I wanna see where our listeners fall on that. I, I right. Predator is the Predator is the clearly <laughs> better film. Okay, agree to disagree. Uh, what do our listeners think about it? You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and a Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and a Movie TX, Beer and a Movie Podcast.com is where you can find a link to listen to all of our past episodes absolutely free. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. We know you're going to give us that five star rating, but please leave a written review and tell us what you like, what you don't like, want to see more of in the future. Uh, I think that this 903 beer has been fantastic our return to beer did I, oh actually our return to both of these have been very strong this is these are both breweries that we have visited in the past and i actually think that this joe you can correct me if i'm wrong because you've got all the stats but this is our second <laughs> beer from two breweries in one episode two second beers one episode i believe yeah I'm too- I'm too drunk to fact check you. I, I, yeah, I am too drunk to hold myself accountable for what I just said. <laughs> um, I, but yeah, seriously, um, fantastic beers. I am glad that you guys made me watch Running Man. Um, 
I'm happy to have rewatched Predator. I actually had met, I texted a friend of mine, and I, I think I told David this when he came to pick up his records the other day. But I texted a friend of mine, and I was like, I'm rewatching Predator because he had recently gone through an '80s action movie phase where he watched all the Lethal Weapons. He went back and watched Predator, watched all these other movies, and he was like, honestly, I remember the second Predator more than the first. Yeah, you did tell. And me I this. have not seen the second Predator, but apparently there is a line in the film. <laughs> where someone says the mayor is so far up my ass I'm not going to be able to sit for a week <laughs> and just that line alone makes me think Predator 2 is something I need to go and watch <laughs> so we'll you know, maybe don't you feel that a lot of mayors feel that way in the, the current COVID situation I'm that sure we're that, in I'm or... sure that is the case but maybe we'll watch the we'll watch Predator 2 and the Running Man remake and we'll do another follow up episode maybe not we'll see yeah um, but until next time, this has been another episode of Beer and a Movie. I'll tell you what I think of it. I live to see you eat that contract, but I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine! <laughs>